0: Welcome to Behind the Blade Podcast, episode 28, question mark? That would be a positive 28, 28. Matt. <laughs> I am sitting here with the venerable Jim Stewart of Bart River Knives. You are listening to Matt Martin of A Different Knife Company. And uh, <laughs> we it's good to be back in the saddle. I know it's been sporadic at best, but we've explained it a million times. If you guys want to hear more podcasts, then... Stay tuned, because there will be more podcasts. Cool. So hang in there, guys, <laughs> as we get all this sorted out. Next mission is to get rid of the echo in the recording studio right now. Uh, but things are looking up, as always. We just started up, uh, I, I know I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit, Jim, What's we're that? not sticking to our regular format, but we did just start up the... Behind the Blade Podcast Trench Crew. It's a Facebook (laughs) group. So we invite all you guys to join the Facebook group. And the the cool part about the group, um, let me just explain this. This is like a free tech tip. All right, guys. (laughs) When you have a business page, the interface for the proprietors of the business page is very, very cumbersome. It's very slow to update it's hard to reply and as a business there are certain limitations that Facebook implements to prevent people from being spammers constantly. So it really hobbles you on how easily you can interact with your following on your business page. So the behind the blade podcast business page, which is basically what it is, that's how it's formatted and that's the term given to it to by Facebook, not one that I just came up while I was on the air. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it's hard. And so we see all these comments, but it's hard for us to interact with them in a timely manner. So we said, hey, wouldn't it be better if the listeners had a place that they could go that we could interact with them in real time? And it's a little bit less formal. It's a little bit more laid back. And it will be, you know, uh, Jim, myself maybe Jenna and Ashley from the vehement crew interacting in real time. So we can kind of have fun and share photos mm-hmm. and answer questions and talk about stuff and hear your ideas and other listeners can also interact more freely in the group as opposed to on the page.
1: Correct. And we're all, we're always like, you're overarching, like, like angel overlord. Whoa. <laughs> what? <That> was. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm like I'm like, I'm like he's interrupting me. Is there something wrong? No, no, no there's nothing wrong with that.
0: <laughs> we are the maestros. no,
1: <laughs> no we're no're we're, we're gonna we're gonna admin the page. and just basically the group pages, as Matt was saying was is is an informal way for you guys to directly connect with us. Anything that you want to say instantly shows up on our phone and and we can we can reply instantly without having to worry about um, navigating the, uh, the 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 pages admin. Yes manager app that, that Facebook has out there. And um and, and and we can get information out faster to you guys because it's easier to share to it, it's easier to administer, it's easier to just kind of do everything with. So we've got the group page and it is linked to the business page. So if you go to the business page, you should see, hey, why don't you check out this page's group? You know exactly. And so I mean, so um, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing all you guys there. But it's called Behind the Blade Trench Crew.
0: That's right. So just search that. One of us will approve you. Please answer the question. If you don't answer the question, you won't get approved. What are you laughing at? It's an important security question, man. It's, it's.
1: I, I, yeah. I've never seen a more fail-proof one.
0: It's a bank vault. I mean, it's seriously, <laughs> uh, it will definitely <laughs> weed out the wheat from the chaff. Uh, anyways, let's get to it. I think we should start with what you're carrying. Because what you're carrying is like a what you're carrying slash mail call slash what have we acquired since the last time we talked with you cats. So now, I, I'm I'm confused. What do
1: I scream? What do you mean? because usually when you get a mail call, you're like, <clears throat> mail call! Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm like, uh, it's not the whole thing. The but hand no. is
0: on the other foot, I see. Oh, man.
1: I'm, I'm not as ostentatious, No, <laughs> I do. No. <laughs> no. Like, you no. got some stuff. But but I got some stuff. Our good-
0: yep. Oh! Yep. If we're going to do this, yeah? then we said we were going to do this in live video format. We did. So... I think the only thing we can do is a live video. So this isn't going to interrupt the listening whatsoever, other than the fact that I'm going to have to blather on while I figure out how to use my phone to get a live feed on the Behind the Blade podcast page. Actually, you know what? What's up? Let's do it. Let's do this one on the page. Okay. And we'll talk about it <clears> throat> and throat> sure. direct everybody to the Trench Crew group.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah, 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 live feed. And then when, when they go back and listen to it...
0: You'd swear to God we talked before we turned the microphones on. You'd swear we, that we spoke well, to each other before we turned the microphones on, we, yet here we are hashing out important details. <laughs> you know what?
1: Matt and I just are like kind of on the spur of the moment kind of guys. So
0: That's it. We're spontaneous.
1: And our ideas are awesome, but they happen
0: right now. Creative and spontaneous. <laughs> I feel like we're putting together a dating ad. Yeah, I'm very creative and spontaneous, meaning I go about things haphazardly and I rarely have a plan i
1: prefer to call it high risk high reward
0: yes i like it (laughs) rewarding spontaneous and creative um all right so hang on a second we're gonna go do we do photo do we do video
1: no i think there's like a it's its own thing right like you go to the share thing and you can click the go live button right yeah but i don't know how to post. so
0: okay post Oh, go live. I found it. Perfect. It's, we Timing. should really be having Jim do this because I am about as tech savvy as a caveman. <laughs> you can't learn if you don't know. With saber tooth tiger yeah. scars running down his face. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Go live. Yeah, let's do this. All wow. right. We're going up. Um, Jim's. Sorry, guys. I know this isn't the typical amazing, insightful content that we normally provide you with, but you're going to have to bear with us in these growing pains.
1: You can think of this as the behind the scenes of the live video that you're going to watch.
0: Yes. Probably right now. This is the director's cut. Yeah, This is the the director's
1: cut. So yeah, you're going to watch this first. And then when we publish the episode later, you're going to realize that you've done a time warp.
0: Yes, exactly. And, and, And... But probably not. Plus 10 points for working time warp into a sentence today. Hey, yeah.
1: I didn't even know that was an
0: achievement. All right, so there's Jim. Hang on. Where's my frame? I'm not. uh, It's somewhere to your right and somewhere to your left. I'll tell you if it's wrong. It's basically centered on your chin. (laughs) And we're live.
1: Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. There it is.
0: And we're live for realsies this time.
1: (laughs) They freaked me out for a second. What's up, up (laughs) Behind the Blade Trench Crew? Jim Stewart with Behind the Blade Podcast here. And we are doing a Facebook Live video to show off what we are carrying today. And what I'm carrying today, on top of my normal stuff, I also got a mail call from our good friend Jimmy Mack from New York. Jimbo! He's an awesome guy. And as a gift, he sent me some really cool stuff. And, um, my wife did not want to let go of this. This is probably her favorite knife that we have right now, but this is a Dalton tank.
0: So what you're saying is that one's on loan. This one's on loan. This
1: one's on loan because as soon as I got it out, um, she goes, Oh, well that one's mine. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, it's a beautiful knife. It's a, it's a Dalton. So, you know, it's a tank. It is. And it ex- is a tank. It it, it. it. That's the name of it. It's called a tank. <laughs> it's called too. a tank. But it, But it is built like a tank. It is. It is that classic. That classic overbuilt military style. You know where. Where not only is it comfortable in the hand, but it's exceedingly solid. You could really do whatever you wanted with it. And it's an auto, and all of Dalton's autos rocket open. They just clunk they hit hard you know, you know yeah. what i mean like i mean like if i were if i were a lesser person this would fly out of my hand and into matt's phone
0: <laughs> <So> i appreciate <laughs> that you are the man that you are
1: that's right no problem lots of lots of extensor and flexor action <laughs>
0: <laughs> knife Wait. <make> his hand. <laughs> that's
1: right so but this is a beautiful knife i love how i love how he does the work right um in here the beautiful sandblast on this the, the 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 scale on the side and um Unfortunately, it's not mine, but it's on loan. Yeah. So moving I mean, on. It was fun. What else? Mo- moving on. We got the. We have a Warcom. Matt has one of these too, and a green handle. I believe he was saying earlier. Um, it's got a hidden button, which is actually just a lever that's depressed, and you just. Can flip-
0: you show that without cutting yourself? Of course I can. There you go, bam, just like that. (laughs) Of
1: course I can. I know where my edges are.
0: (laughs) He's a professional.
1: (laughs) Almost. Don't look at the scars on my (laughs) hands. And that's just a, you know, uh, what's that line? What's that line? Previous, was it previous failures are not an indicator of future results? There you go, bam. (laughs) Bam. So, but it's again another cool looking, another cool looking Dalton combat blade. This guy was is the Warcom again. I got a nice camo handle. And I love how what, how does he do that? Is that CNC numbers that yeah, he has? Yeah, yeah, CNC CNCs the numbers that's, in. That's that's crazy. Everything's tight and right with this with this. It's really cool. Uh, and, and it and it locks and unlocks via the same kind of mechanism. Just that that push button and then it closes and then it rockets open. Something something else I saw about Dalton's knives that even if you like don't give it a lot of space, like usually a lot of a lot of these switchblades close having having to be thrown from like 100% closed to be totally open. Oh, His I blades.
0: See. Bam. Yeah. It, I mean, that spring yeah. is under a lot of tension it's, and it hits hard. It's I under mean, a all, lot. All of them yeah. do, yeah. Absolutely.
1: I mean, the next one, the next one is the companion and this is the same thing. This thing's probably probably the coolest one, very reminiscent of um, <clears throat> Italian stiletto, but... Totally. But Look at
0: that bayonet style grind, a stiletto style grind on there. That's it pretty neat. It's
1: cool. I yeah. can't think of a more modern representation or um, execution, if you will, of something like this. It's absolutely fantastic. It's got the. the it's, it looks like, man. It feels. It's, it's either aluminum or tie. It's probably, probably aluminum. Tie. I know Dalton or, worked a lot in aluminum. Oh, yeah. it's probably aluminum. Yep. And then it's got the cool the cool um scales on there screwed in from the inside oh if you no look kidding. at it well yeah if you look so, at okay it, that's so look, those are
0: yeah applied
1: yeah yeah those are those okay. are applied and screwed on um and then everything else is just kind of on top super clean sure I mean it's 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 really cool this guy's a liner lock but again same kind of thing I mean like even Right you know that's actually
0: not that common on Daltons for him to have the push button and the liner lock. A lot of times, oh, really? yeah, the way he does his buttons, that is the lock and deployment mechanism. Right. So, okay. Yeah.
1: I know it is on these two. This guy, this guy, there's a liner lock there. So, um, yeah, no, yeah, I, no idea slick. why. But, but you know, if that's rare, then you know, good for me. Yeah. 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 Oh. <laughs> and yeah, uh, that things awesome, man. Get I get you. No. Oh, great. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. So I thought I'd show those guys off. And I don't think I ever talked about this on the podcast before, and if I have, I'm sorry. But this is a Riot Wave Flipper, and I got it at 2016 Blade Show, and it was exclusive for the show. But it's it's just a beautiful knife. The blade is M390. Ooh. I've got titanium flame titanium inserts, and around a carbon fiber handle on one side, titanium and carbon and uh, titanium and a titanium flamed insert on the other side, titanium clip, and razor razor sharp and this thing just sails open it's on it, it's it's on it's on bronze it's on bronze bushings it's not on bearings but even though Still uh,
0: really good action. Still
1: really good action. A lot of really cool like little parts on it, like a little bit of jimping on the the back spacer, and a little bit of a lanyard hole too. Yeah, it's got it's, the eye for the
0: details. It's, for sure, it's, yeah.
1: They 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 make a good knife. I mean, this thing this thing's definitely worth it. This thing's a little blinged out. I don't carry it all the time. Yeah, but but it's, it's still you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's still a dependable <laughs> knife. I mean, it's got a rock solid lockup. There's no wiggle nice. in this guy no, whatsoever. It. it doesn't matter how gently you close that lock. I mean, it's got a titanium lock bar with a stainless steel insert in there it's 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 cool so if you guys don't have a riad i highly recommend at least at least checking it out i feel like i, could I just got like a little, new riad did you yeah you did, did you did and, and i didn't Riyadh. bring yeah, it right. because i'm
0: a jerk and i'm like let's talk about the knives we got since the last time we did a podcast well and you owe
1: everybody now on facebook live video there you you're go. gonna have to get it next time we will talk about riad <laughs> next episode
0: so um that's what i
1: got and also left side carry today I've got oh, my Microtech Scarab Nice in in this handle. I got it on a Facebook trade a while ago. Sh- I told you guys about it um, last time, last time we were talking about Switched Cool Day.
0: I'm not and, super tono fantastic. I'm not against him or mm-hmm. I'm pretty ambivalent. But I think the lines on that one play with the Microtech aesthetic. Yeah, well, and, it,
1: it, it is Microtech.
0: 100%. And I think it just... I think it works. I think it's just a cool looking knife. I, yeah. I, you know what I mean? I, I don't think it should look like anything else. So No, no this thing, yeah.
1: this thing's definitely used and abused. And I've got them like the grip tapes worn off. Oh, yeah. You know, part, partially on one side or both sides, actually, now that I'm looking at it. Oh, crap. I've got... Three spots, and I've got like a huge weird ding. While
0: <laughs> while well, well, Jim gives but, the triage and diagnostics to his microtech. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Man. Please
1: continue. <laughs> you wanna you wanna you wanna oh, flip yeah. it around? So
0: uh, pardon the camera shift. Okay. Luckily, Here we go. I Trust Jim implicitly with good camera angles to make me look tall and handsome. All right, Harlan. We're gonna go with a oh, wait, low. Oh yeah. yeah. There we angle. go. Perfect. Here How does go. that? work? Oh, that's, like, that's yeah. the table. Sorry. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. So not nearly as impressive or expensive, but my latest acquisitions. Now, this one, you guys have probably heard me talk about this. This, to me, is the perfect knife. I recommend it for kids. I recommend it for experienced knife users. Uh, one of my favorite things is a paramilitary two by Spyderco. Uh, this one was made in Golden, Colorado, USA, earth. I love that they put that on there. I don't know.
1: (laughs) The earth part sets it off. It's great.
0: This is the exact knife I wanted. They do a lot of cool sprint runs, a lot of different steels and stuff. I just wanted the bare bones, S30V, black G10 scales, and the satin finish. And that's what I ended up with. Now, from a safety standpoint, I love the PM2 compression lock and even the military compression lock because you can close the knife without getting your fingers in the way of this potentially razor sharp tool so that's why i like recommending it for kids too because they want their first pocket knife parents want to get them a good knife to teach them knife responsibility and everything like that and this is the knife because you will be hard pressed and you can pick your favorite steel it's why another reason i love this like i hate s30v it's like well i like it if you like m390 get one in m390 but they're inexpensive they're very durable they weigh virtually nothing And they cut like the Dickens. I mean, you can do all your camp tasks with this. Um, you know, I trained a little bit with Michael Janich in the Marshall blade concepts program. He was, uh, he lived in Longmont. Yo, Mike. Hey, what's happening Mike. If you're listening, uh, he's a good friend of mine and I would pop in from time to time and everything we did was kind of bait, not everything, but sorry. And I'm filthy guys. I work in a knife shop and I didn't print before this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, me too, man. Yeah, Yeah. Jim's in the same boat. Um, everything we did, most of the combatives we did were based on a three and a half inch blade because that's what's legal to carry in so many different cities and states. So that's what you're going to have on you for a utility factor. And then for from a defensive standpoint, it's a very apt tool also. So that's, you're hard pressed. You're just, I'm not saying, look, I love knives. I have tons of folders. I have high-end folders. I have cheaper than dirt folders. Uh, but you'd be hard pressed to find a better knife for the dollar than the simple Spyderco PM2. So that's just my mm-hmm. two cents. Just got it in the mail today. Very excited. The other thing I just got in the mail today, which is probably going to astonish you guys, <laughs> is a USMC K-Bar from K-Bar. It's a Navy Mark II. Obviously, you guys know that because you listen to the history section, right? Segment. And uh, But this one is a K-Bar. And my first K-Bar. Never had one before. So kind of excited about that as a knife collector. And when I really looked at the box and I opened it up and I said, okay, we'll give you guys the obverse side because it feels weird looking at the back of the (laughs) knife, I'm sure. So if this is all I had, sorry about that, people listening. Um, I hit the (laughs) microphone. I got excited. If this is all I had, I'd be fine. These are the knives that I could take, these two simple knives. And I could use them to perform any task I've ever used for a knife. So I'm pretty excited about that. And there's something about getting a box that is so complete. And, uh, you know, I traded a uh, LT Wright GNS for these, and I couldn't be happier. The guy who received the LT Wright was very excited. It's a very cool knife. But to be honest, I would have given just about anything just to get another PM2. And I'm super (laughs) cheap, so I trade for everything. Uh, I also so,
1: have a PM two. It's in it's in blue instead of yours is black. And yes. uh and I love the thing. Yeah, I and really you convex
0: do. it's M three ninety also. <clears throat> mine
1: mine I did, you know, I gotta pat myself on the back because the the one that I the one that I convexed lost zero blade height. Oh it's, yeah. I I, I used the I use the I use the bevel that um Spiderco had already put on there. Yeah. And no, I just convexed through it and it is awesome. It's really cool. Yeah. It's,
0: Great! Uh, finally, carry today in my little skin bender shameless plug pocket slip. I've got my <laughs> Swiss Army knife Pioneer Black Alox. Now, yeah. I if I was gonna be a collector of something, it's probably gonna be slip joints and daggers because I hate slip joints, and daggers are <laughs> impractical. But I love them all the same. If I were to collect anything, I think it would end up being Swiss Army knives, just because they are intriguing and awesome i mean they have really cool lines really good fit and finish really good design cues and they're iconic and i just i don't know and i ended up having a bunch of them like i have (laughs) a lot of them you
1: you like them so much you were just like yeah i'll take one of those again people
0: have given them to me and i've bought a couple and i give them as gifts too and i'm just Uh like dude i love swiss army knives and if i was gonna have something fill a drawer probably those because you can like for different things carry different colors you You can accessorize yeah (laughs) So that is what we're carrying and that ends this portion of the live feed. We will be back during the review segment, which is going to supplant. Am I using that word right? Supplant tech tips? Yes. Yes. Supplant is the right word. Okay. Yep. So uh, we're going to do an in-hand review on the Felton S1, S1 Pro, and the Cold Steel 3V SRK because they all kind of fit in the same family. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll use the K-Bar as control you know what I mean? We'll be like, Mm -hmm. and this is how this feels. So uh, we're going to do a tabletop review on these three knives and kind of give you my initial feel for them. And we'll do another live feed, but this one is going to be in the behind the blade trench crew group. So you guys have a few minutes to go join that so you can watch the next uh, live feed. Thank you so much for watching. And now we're going to get back to the radio show. And we're back after dead air. That was like That's right. three seconds. I'm just <laughs> like, good god, I don't want to be talking to the camera <laughs> while this is going on. Oh so, man,
1: that that was that was fun. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm like I'm like I can't go here because the microphone's blocking Matt's face. So I'm going to stretch right. way over right. here, and I got a really good angle on yeah. you. You look good on the camera. Thank you,
0: sir. That's so did cool. you? Yeah, I Thank feel you, like man. I did a fantastic <laughs> job. Also, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, keep. I got to put. Sorry, guys. That was uh, that was me and Jim right. talking on the video. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Um it worked out well. All right, let's get to some news, my friend. All right, let's get to some news. Industry headlines from around the world. Brought to you by
1: KnifeNews.com. Knife News for Knife people.
0: And we are back for this week's episode of Knife News. Brought to you by Knife News. Your one... Today's news for Knife people? That's what I meant. Uh, that's what you meant. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I meant. It's been a while. Sorry, guys.
1: <laughs> that's all right. All right, first thing. And this is this is a pretty interesting piece of piece of piece of news considering our political landscape. Knife importers dodge Trump tariff bullet. I was. I mean,
0: that's a even just a that headline. That's a big deal because I know that mm-hmm. we were all like, "Ooh, how bad is this going to hurt us?" Because we know that there's a lot of
1: uh, a lot of knife makers, a lot of manufacturers, a lot of importers that pull knives from China. I mean, like uh, uh, Riyadh. Yes. I'm I mean, Imagine a twenty-five percent markup on that. I mean, that would, it's like an extra 60 bucks, you know, extra 60, 70 bucks or sometimes more, depending on what it is. Yeah. And, and that's just taxes that you're paying. So, but apparently, according to the list of what actually is being, is, is the tariff is getting applied to knives, they're not on it.
0: No kidding. They're not on it, man.
1: Knife-making equipment, lathes, surface grinders, water jets, all that stuff made in China and imported, all of those are still underneath the the, the tariff.
0: Well, because it's hard to say that one tool is specific to knife-making. Even the Bader grinder was designed to deburr airplane parts.
1: Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Big components. Uh So
0: it just got... Pirated by knife makers who are experts at doing these things. If it spins, (laughs) we're going to make a knife on it, whether it's a stone with a pedal or a (laughs) propeller sharpener (laughs) or whatever it is. One hundred
1: percent true. But um, the list imposes tariffs on fifty billion dollars worth of imports every year. But folding knives, fixed blades, and get this, finished knife parts imported from China will not be affected.
0: Wouldn't finished knife parts be imported from Finland? Oh, Jesus, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Matt, they would. All right, all right. I'm sorry. I I saw it. I took it. I swung. I'm sorry it was a (laughs) knuckleball. It's it's
1: all right. It's all right. (laughs) U.S. officials say they developed a list of 1,300 tariffed items using a system of algorithms with the goal of minimizing the impact on U.S. consumers. Knives made in China make up a significant portion of both the budget and high-end markets. 30% of the top 25 best-selling knives in 2017... Originated in China, and the relative affordability plays an essential role in their popularity. So, that's now is,
0: that's, that's, is that's, Taiwan lumped in with
1: China in this bill? My geopolitical atmosphere is uh,
0: not total; is, is a little foggy because
1: <laughs> I know that they're so I'm not totally sure, they're but one I, think in the I, same.
0: I think they consider themselves independent, separate, and but I think China the, does not. I think the rest of the world considers them independent, I think the U.S. doesn't. I, I, so, I'm, yeah, I'd be curious yeah. to see if Taiwan, because as we know, like. A lot of top and knives actually come out of Tai Chung.
1: Oh, 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 absolutely! It's uh, Spyderco is a good example. Yes, of that. I, I, I would mean, say uh,
0: a perfect example. I Man, and that yeah.
1: reminds me of that Endura. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I, I I never should have given away. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah, thanks. But Jim. That's um, cool. yeah, the U.S. doesn't officially recognize Taiwan. However, um, that was another thing that Trump made headlines about after he was elected, after he was sworn in, was that um, Taiwan also had their election, and he called the Taiwanese president to congratulate him, and that was like a massive problem, you know right exactly so so maybe something maybe something's coming down the line or I'd be
0: curious yeah yeah so
1: um but yeah so that's happening um aluminum stainless steels and tool steels that enter US from China will also be subject to the tax uh Scott DeVanna vice president of technology for steel dis- steel distributor SB specialty metals tells us the tariff will likely drive up the price of D2 not a lot of D2 is made in the USA today quote oh. from
2: him
0: that's okay because I hate grinding D two, so I'm totally fine. With uh, that. Yeah, it's I'm a good. Okay with it's that. a decent enough knife steel, but it's miserable to work. So, with, in my so opinion.
1: well, I mean, I mean, a little insider information. I mean, for you guys too, but the market for Bark River at least seems to be going a lot more towards crucible steels. There you go. So, and those are all USA. Yes. So, I mean, so for us, yeah, you know, but 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 we still commiserate. We understand. Yes. Um, and um, yeah. Of course, China retaliates with its own fifty billion dollar worth of tariffs you know, with drives, um, everything else even more. But um, S-35VN regularly appear on Chinese knives, and that may change if China follows through with its threat. Discussions between the U.S. government will continue through May 11th. The next major hearing on the tariffs is scheduled for May 15th.
0: I feel bad about talking about it on the podcast because— I feel like maybe we should have been quiet so that they forgot about us. You know, and, and we're like, oh, and the knife components too. You know? Oh man, we shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> then all of a sudden,
1: all of a sudden we see a big CNN news, news broadcast. Yeah. Knives will also be now taxed. No! Oh, damn you, behind
0: the blade! Yeah. Uh, no, that is good news. And I know that was something we were all kind of sitting on pins and needles over. Um, and n- not me specifically, because we make everything in-house yeah. or locally sourced if it is machine components on our midtech Yep. So it's really not that big of a deal to us, but to the knife-making community, it could have potentially had a huge negative impact.
1: Yeah, a, a, a massive negative impact, right. which would have just ultimately led to a, a downturn for every piece of that market. Yes, exactly. In, in, yep. in some capacity. Yeah. So... So first news article in the bag. We really, we really like that one. We wanted to bring that one to yep. you guys too. Because Good news. Cool. So following up on other news segments that we've done in the past between Kai USA and Microtech, right?
0: Oh yes. Or yeah. Right? The Natrix Matrix saga continues.
1: That was a hilarious story. I still can't get <laughs> over how funny that was. <laughs> but um, U.S. District Court of West, Western Pennsylvania has dismissed Microtech's lawsuit against Kai USA Limited, Limited, Limited. Microtech filed the suit in wake of a story published by Anthony Scilombrini of everyday commentary called The Greatest Knife of All Time. We talked about that previously. So, um, let's see, what else? Uh, Pennsylvania-based Microtech, consider this action. Uh, that's, that's talking about the, the blog post that, um, that, 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 that was published basically outlying the story. Right. You know, of the Natrix Matrix saga.
0: You guys will have to listen to our deep catalog. That was one of our earlier episodes where we started. It was. I
1: mean, well, maybe like in the teens. Yeah, maybe in the teens. I don't know. It's in the headlines of each episode. You should probably listen to them all just to be sure. Yep. Start at at, at, uh, one and uh, let us know. (laughs) If
0: you survive one, you're going to like them from there. (laughs) Trust
1: me. We survived one. I think you're okay. (laughs) It was tough for us too. (laughs) So, um, in her decision, Judge Barbara R.J., R. Barbara J. Rothstein, writes that among the email communications, quote, there is no indication that Welk knew, let alone encouraged Scullambrini to include brackets, the natrix name, a genus of grass snake.
2: <laughs> Still quote, kind of talking bracket, cheek funny. Yeah, right.
1: yeah. Or anything else in his upcoming in his up, upcoming article. So basically, basically, reposting something does not mean that you are the originator of saying it. Right. I right. So so that's that's who that's who they brought the lawsuit against was a guy who reposted something that someone else said. Yes. So I can completely understand why it was thrown out on that basis. In the age
0: of the internet, and this is gonna mm-hmm. uh, this is a little tangential from our typical knife conversation, but in the age of the internet, when it's so easy to build a mock profile, does that mean you can insulate yourself? from insults <laughs> because from defamation charges, because you can make a mock profile and right. then type all this nasty stuff and then share it and be like, I dude, didn't say it. Dude, you know? oh, so,
1: so you create a completely private profile on Facebook that you can only share with your fake profile. And then you have your fake profile repost what you say.
0: Yeah, it's like then... <laughs> it's like laundering insults. <laughs> so You're what right. do you do? I'm in the insult laundering business. I do it for high-profile clients. Uh, yeah.
1: I'm really cheap. It's about 50 bucks a word. <laughs> I'm also yeah. the
0: only one on the market. That's, yeah, it's a, it's That's a small funny. market, but we own it. Yeah. Right?
1: <laughs> Furthermore, she points out that under the law, reposting something another individual wrote is not the same as writing it, quote, under the Good Samaritan provision of the Communications Decency Act. A provider or a user of an interactive computer service may not be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. So that's open the floodgates, right. sand salt laundering, insult man. Laundry, yeah. right there. Yeah. Loophole. Um, in the case of its suit against Kai, Microtech was granted leave to file for reconsideration if they can produce additional evidence in support of their claims. Quote The judge has provided us with the option of in- introducing more evidence. And we're considering what our next steps will be, Microtech's general counsel, Daniel Lawson, tells us. "If Microtech- Hey, Dan.
0: <laughs> Dan I like Dan. Dan's a really good guy. Awesome. Cool. Yeah.
1: If Microtech chooses to forge ahead, they have until April 6, 2018 to file with the court. Judge Rothstein also dismissed the case against Kyle Bayer due to lack of personal jurisdiction. Bayer is no longer with the company. He was the social media marketing Oh, no longer guy. with the company. I don't, no I don't think that was
0: stated boldly enough. No, no, he's not there anymore. Sounds like a head rolled. I don't know. That's speculation, so don't take it as gospel. But it does sound like a head rolled, uh, at least one. And maybe that saved Kai a little bit. You know what I mean? Right, absolutely. From anything else. So it's kind of ugly. It's kind of dastardly behavior. Both camps are kind of getting at each other. But yeah, it's... uh, yeah interesting though so they got they got denied the defamation suit yeah yeah it, it, yep. it's
1: totally thrown out Um, and, and of course there's the granted to leave for, file for reconsideration if they can produce additional evidence right and they have till April 6th 2018 to do that so if they're able to produce more evidence we will be updating you guys as I'm sure Knife News updates their site there you go yeah so alright that's what we got for news I
0: think so- that is the news we will be back with a history segment in just a moment stay tuned
1: Hey guys, Jim Stewart from Behind the Blade Podcast here, telling you guys about Tom Crine and Crine Knives. You should check out his website at www.kreinknives.net. His knives are absolutely fantastic. They are precise, made to cut, extremely comfortable, very rakish looking. He's got definitely his own sense of style. Beautiful, beautiful knives. And he's one of the few makers on the planet that can add value to a knife by regrinding it. very desirable, very cool. Yeah, You should check him out. He's also on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash crime knives. And tell him that we sent you.
0: And we're back for Behind the Blade Podcast history segment, my favorite. Well, I think the Q&A is probably still my favorite, but uh, (laughs) I know you guys love the history segment, and I love doing it because we have to get creative. We have a couple thousand years of knife history to cover. Um, (laughs) Luckily, we're not going back that far this time. We're only going back to 1984. That was the year I was born. That's... The year George Orwell thought we would be convicted of thought crimes.
1: It turns out it's 2018. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, (laughs) you know, he's a little late, but uh, a little early, but it still happens. I'm sorry, my UK friends, for posting (laughs) offensive
1: tweets and then getting arrested for it. Yeah, right.
0: No kidding. Uh, All right. So, back out of that, (laughs) (laughs) we are talking about one of my all, I'm going to say it. You guys have heard me say it and because it's my opinion I'm allowed to say it so we're just going to do this this is my favorite knife of all time was made by this company and it is Felkneven. Felkniven AB is a Sweden based manufacturer of knives and knife related gear and apparel Felknevin was founded in Boden in 1984 by Peter I'm sorry there's going to be a lot of Swedish names I'm going to butcher them I'm going to come around
1: and I'm gonna see if I can just
0: Hjort, Peter Hjortberger the company started by importing knives and in 1987 began designing their own knives. In 2009, Eric Hjortberger, the founder's son, took over as president of Falkneven AB. Uh, pronunciation, I think we've covered that part, but I'm going to read it <laughs> to you guys because this is a pretty prevalent brand and I've heard the name pronounced so many ways that when I got my first one, I immediately researched how to pronounce it so I got it right because it definitely looks like Fall Niven.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but the reality is it is pronounced Felkneven pressure on first and second syllables where knee is pronounced and an audible k and ven pronounced as in raven without the ra of reg, raven ven. raven raven ra- ra- yeah. ra- ra- yeah. ra- ra- <laughs> yes so means the folding knife in swedish which is ironic because they do produce a large number of swiss uh, fixed points <laughs> that's a uh, editorial right so, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well i mean I'm, I'm, just imagine that though what, what if we were to start a company right now called folding knife right
0: Crazy, and then, and then put <laughs> right. out a bunch of top <laughs> class fix plates. Well, yep, absolutely,
1: <laughs> it's true. It's I tricky. A, yeah, it yeah, was the, it was
0: risky, fel- but it worked for yeah, them. The Felkneven
1: yeah. makes some good
0: switch, switch fix plates. Blade. Switch blades, switch <laughs> blades are on the mind. We'll get to that later. Right. Um, Felkneven is most well known as a supplier of military and outdoor knives. Throughout the years, they have supplied the Swedish military with products. The Felkneven Model F1 is the official survival knife for all pilots in the Swedish Air Force since 1995. Now, the F1, personally, this is me talking again, not the Wikipedia article that we downloaded this from. Um, The F1 is, I think, another example. You'll hear me use this term, and I hope you appreciate the context in which it's used. It is another example of a perfect knife. And the maybe F1, it's not yeah. Yeah, maybe it's not the yeah. perfect knife for you, or maybe it's not your favorite knife, but for what it is tasked with, it is the perfect knife. It mm-hmm. is it is lightweight, it cuts well, it's durable, it's resistant to the elements. I mean, it's everything you want in a knife. Stylistically, that's up to interpretation, but the F1 in my mind is a perfect knife. Complementing their lineup of military-approved knives, Felkneven produces several specifically outdoors hunting and kitchen knives. For example, their aptly named hunting knife, the Felkneven H1. So they got that one right. <laughs> <And> <laughs>
1: That's one down.
0: <laughs> well, Felkneven is a Swedish company, most, if not all, of its production is done... You like how I pronounce that? Production. Yes. Production. 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 <laughs> production is done by subcontractors. Early F1 knives made of ATS-34 steel were manufactured in Germany by Linder Zolingen. Production has been moved to Seki, Japan since Falkneven replaced ATS-34 with VG10 and 3G, an SPGS powder steel core laminates in its products. Nice. Hatori manufactures mm. all of their fixed blades and Moki manufactures their folders.
1: Which so, I didn't know till a few minutes ago
0: when you were talking about that this. Moki did the folders M- at Hattori. H- Hatori had any involvement at all. I knew it's that crazy. they were made in Japan. <clears throat> and I <clears throat> think, you know, I, I'm not given like a shame on Falkneven because I love their products. Furthermore, Anything Hattori touches, I am smitten with. Because, <laughs> I mean, that is the old SOGs, the old 90s Sog specialty knives. Those came out of Hattori. Their fit and finish is impeccable. Mm-hmm. These guys, oh, what does your dad call them? The inscrutable Japanese. The inscrutable, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it, they're just amazing cutlery comes out of Seki. Even more amazing comes out of the Hattori shop specifically. Yeah. However, Felkneven brands all of their stuff as Sweden. I'm going to try to read it right off of my S1 that I have here right now. Oh, you know what? They took it off of here. Oh, it's not on that one? No, it isn't. But here we go. So I'm going to read it right off the box of the S1 Pro. Felkneven quality knives, Sweden. Yeah. Now that's a little bit misleading in my opinion, because the knives actually come from Japan and people have the, of the mindset that this is a Swedish made knife, similar to like Gransfors Brux is a Swedish-made axe. And especially the bushcrafters are very attracted to this Scandinavian culture of cutlery and tools when it comes to bushcraft because the origins of the puko knife and stuff like that. Yep. So I thought even though this isn't deep history, it only goes back to 84. I thought that this was important to kind of clear the air a little bit and let you guys know that these knives are not made in Sweden. However, they are made by arguably one of the finest production knife houses on the planet. That's and, great. And, and then, historically and, yeah, proven. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. anyways, back to the article. Uh, just wanted to take an aside and tell you guys about that. Just because a lot of people are a fan of Felken even. And number one, they should know how to say it. Number two, they should know the knives are aptly made although not in Sweden. (laughs) 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 F1 series variants include the first military order of 10,000 units. First series for civilian market, 15,000 made, all numbered. F1 3G 25 year special edition was 1,000 units and numbered on the back. So I'm assuming when they say number, they mean serial numbered. Yeah, I I would assume. They didn't show a good example of that. So, uh, but if anybody has one, send us a picture. If you ever wanted an idea as to what their production numbers were on these, you know, the original Mm -hmm. series, so there they are. So the A1 series, so the A1 is going to be a little bit bigger than a SRK made by Cold Steel. So if you guys can kind of picture that, everybody's pretty familiar with the SRK. And if you're not, then if you're a serious collector or even a serious knife user, I recommend you get one because it is an absolute workhorse. Um, so the, a, the A1 was, is a larger knife. The F1 is a little bit smaller. The Felkneven A1 Zulu classified into a military-grade build. It boasts an ergonomic design, technical touch, and economical fabrication, which represents the top blend available in the market today. It also encompasses the water-repelling ability, which is ideal for extreme cold conditions. From, the, from start, the knife could be purchased with either a leather sheath or a Cordura sheath. Um, and it sounds a little bit like a felt, even ad in that part, it's almost like they copied and pasted from the website. Mm-hmm. However, it is really a bomber, hard use knife, right? Uh, with convex edge geometry and the whole bit. So, the S1 series now, this is where my heart goes all aflutter because I love the <laughs> S1. Very early, all VG 10. Uh, the S1s were this is an awkwardly written article, so bear with me. S1 series, very. S1 series variants, that one was my fault, <laughs> were all very early VG10. From start, the knife could be purchased with either a brown open leather dangler sheath, like the current black one, or a Cordura sheet similar to the A1. Now, I happen to have the OEM black dangler with my S1 that... It sits in a drawer, and I never use it. And we'll go over that when I review the knives to show you what my current rig is for that. Uh, It's a well-crafted sheet, though. And if you're into the dangler aesthetic or the functionality behind it, you can rely on it. It's got good retention. It's got good fit and finish. It's a handsome sheet that's uh, embossed with the S1 logo. Um, Some special editions that they let out. Previous Falcon even offerings that have a serial number or are of limited edition no longer available in stores. You know what? I'm actually not going to bore you with this part cuz it's a list of special series and it really doesn't mean anything over the air so if you want to know if you have a rare felkneven i recommend you just look up felkneven on wikipedia and that is uh, F-A-L-L-K-N-I-V-E-N. So let's get to the next part of the article, which is U.S. Marine Corps Navy approved. So this is kind of cool. That's and awesome. this underscores oh. my love for the S-1. In November of 2000, the black versions of models F-1 and S-1 were tested and approved for use by air crews in the U.S. Marine Corps and U.S. Navy. They successfully mm-hmm. met the requirements for function, design, strength, and reliability, which the Naval Air, air Warfare Center required. So... Um, related articles are going to be like survival knife, obviously, basically, mm-hmm. but that's what these truly are. I think they're base models. I think they get some more ostentatious models with some stack leather. I, mean, I shouldn't say ostentatious, but a little bit churched up. You know what I mean? It may be a little bit more nostalgic, even though to me it kind of steps away from their overall appeal. Again, that's just an opinion, but what these are, are survival knives.
1: Yeah. And yeah, 100%. This,
0: they're lightweight. They're strong, they're corrosion resistant, they use convex edge geometry, which if anybody's used that, you you know the benefits of that immediately. Mm-hmm. Anybody who hasn't, uh, grab a Falcon Even or a Bark River or something and give them a shot because it'll, it'll change your mind on how knives can be ground and how useful uh, kind of an abstract edge geometry can be. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so I have today with me an S1, S1 Pro in the Cold Steel SRK, which we are going to talk in depth about next segment in a live video in, and we're going to save the video, so if you're hearing this later, it's going to be saved in the Behind the Blade Podcast Trench Crew group on Facebook, so we'll see you in a couple of minutes. All right, Jim, you know my <laughs> love, hate, relationship with slip joints? I do. It's similar to mine. Okay. Yep. I love them, and I still don't carry them, but I do love, you know, I do carry them around the house. Do you really? Yeah. Just it, like a house knife? Yeah, it's my house knife. I, I'm a robe guy. I'm like kind of you like that. I'm a robe guy. Do you have the... Do you have like the robe... Like the, an ascot? Yeah, the ascot. The,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. No, no. It's a yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> No. Uh, I just I wear a robe and I wear like, you know, sweatpants or whatever. And it helps me keep my heating bill down. Um, but because I do actually carry my slip joints and use them around the house, I do like them to be shiny. Mm-hmm. Of course. from the factory, a lot of times... You know, even my Great Easterns, they actually have pretty good geometry coming out the box. But a lot of my slip joints don't. They have pretty obtuse edge geometry. And the solution, obviously, is going to be to chuck that thing up in my candy. Sharpener, but I just got this new Great Eastern. Uh, it's a Unexcelled, so it's okay. one of their Northfield. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah Northfield. Yeah, unexcelled, unexcelled is Northfield, yeah. yeah. And it is a beautiful sway back moose pattern. And it came pretty sharp from the factory, but I already did it on my old uh, Great Eastern moose. I can't wait to throw this thing on the KME, but this time, sir, I have an <laughs> even better advantage in my back pocket. And that yeah. is the uh-huh. Penknife Pro Jaw Attachment, oh. which allows you to clamp up. Smaller blades. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. even down to your tiny Swiss Army knife classics, like a fob knife off right. of grandpa's pocket watch, you know, stuff like that. The really minute that you still want that precision out of, but you don't want it to get lost in the giant rubber jaws of the standard candy. Meant system. for larger knives, of yeah, exactly. Yeah. For you know, standard field knives. I mean that's mm-hmm. what I use on everything else, but for my tiny little blades. Boom. KME has saved the day and brought a very nice, accurate, delicate solution to a problem I didn't even know I had. And moreover, I hate that I even have this problem because (laughs) I hate friggin' slip joints, yet I have so many of (laughs) them. So anyways, check them out. KMEsharp.com. If you have a bunch of tiny knives that you need to get sharpened, check out their... And knife pro jaws and if you have regular knives like the rest of us just get the basic system and you'll figure out what upgrades you want to add to it later that's the best thing about it is that it's so modular so again tell our friends at KME knife sharpeners kmesharp.com that behind the blade sent ya. And we are back for our first live broadcast in the Behind the Blade Trench Crew group on Facebook. Uh, So if you are listening to this but not watching this, go join Behind the Blade Trench Crew on, you guessed it, kids... Facebook, and you can watch it also. So this is pretty cool. It's the first time we're doing this at Via Knives World Headquarters slash Behind the Blade Podcast Studios out of uh, I almost called it G Rock out of Gladstone, <laughs> Michigan, uh, New Sheffield, so, G Rock, Michigan. Yeah. Petition so the council. Today, what we're gonna go over. I I happened uh, first of all one of these knives I already owned. Another one I got in a really awesome trade. And a third one I got in an equally awesome trade. So, But they're all so similar. They're of the same family that I thought, this is a great opportunity for us to do a video in-hand review of three very similar knives, uh, some even from dissimilar companies, and we can show you kind of the pros and cons. And you can get, look, this is an opinion piece. This is a review. So uh, I'm not going to be like, this one's better than the other one. This is just what I think about it. And Mm -hmm. because I'm the co-host On the podcast, I guess I feel like I am some sort of authority, even though I'm really just a guy. So, (laughs) take it for what it is. Let's have some fun and talk about some knives. So, we are going to start with the Felkneven, which you now know how to pronounce, because we just did the history segment on Felkneven. You saw that in
1: the live uh, live video we did before,
0: This is the S1 (laughs) Amateur. Is that... Well, if this is the pro, does that make this one the amateur? We we
1: prefer the term original. Oh, okay.
0: So (laughs) this is my favorite fixed blade knife of all time. This is the, I have many knives. I carry many knives. I use many knives. But whenever I'm going on a camping trip or just on a little hike or even a road trip or we want to recon a campsite or something like that, this is what's going to be on my hip. I would say like 99.999% of the time. And I was like, well, if this knife is so great, I bet you the pro is better.
1: Well, that's what the pro word means, right? I that's would little, think, because like, I yeah. felt like an amateur, you right. know what I mean, when they <laughs>
0: worded it that way. Uh, it's <laughs> laminated VG10 steel, which I thought was really cool. Um, I know there is kind of a mixed bag of emotions when it comes to knife destruction tests, but you guys remember the guy who would wear like the Jason mask and, oh, and the Kevlar that gloves?
1: And, and the jumpsuit, like yes. the prison yeah. Yeah, jumpsuit? Yeah. yeah, he looked
0: like Michael Myers yeah. and Jason at the same time. So, <laughs> right. uh, but I watched him do a destruction test on a Falcon even S1, and I'm sorry, I, I was... Amazed. I was really impressed by the durability <laughs> of the knife. And I said, you know what? That is the knife for me. And after seeing that video, I purchased the knife. After carrying the knife for several years, I'm probably three, maybe four years into this knife in particular, this specific one. Um, I couldn't be happier with it. It's very lightweight. It uh, takes a really good edge, holds a really good edge, corrosion resistant. Um, I'm not going to bore you guys with just general knifery. Uh, let's get down to the fun part. Let's let's see what's going on. So that's the S1 Pro. So you guys can see it's got the Thermal Run handle. It's an injection molded handle. Or the S1 Amateur. S1 Amateur. Yeah, S1 Amateur. I'm sorry. Amateur. Yeah, S1 Amateur. Yep. Um, protruding Tang. People will call it a full Tang. In reality, it's a hidden Tang. So stop calling... In a full tank, please. Um, I, I have
1: to second Matt, with just in that case one. somebody's out there that does that. <laughs> yep. but we understand; we all make mistakes.
0: Uh, this is in. You heard me talking the last segment about the leather dangler sheath, and this is what I meant. It's pretty well crafted. I'm going to try to twinkle it so that Jim doesn't have to adjust for to compensate lighting. <laughs> so I,
1: I have hope to give anybody working. vertigo watching the video. Yeah, it
0: does. <laughs> Fit nicely. It does have decent retention. It's a dangler. I wouldn't shake it ridiculously hard while pinching it or, you know, pinching the sides of the throat. But I mean, you, I've carried it in the woods. Danglers just aren't for me. Every time I sit down, I end up getting a knife up my keister. So it's just really not my style. <laughs> um, what I do carry it in is we're going to take a side minute here. So this is knife related. It's a knife show. I can talk about knife stuff. This is an Almar, I think it's a sear sheath. And I bought a SOG Pentagon at a gun show and it was in this sheath well it turns out the sheath is actually worth more than the sog pentagon it was in i only paid 100 <laughs> bucks for both wow um this is my rig this is i love this sheath as much as i love this knife because the two have lived harmoniously since i got this sheath shortly after i got this one.
1: one hell of a cool package and, too. It,
0: and so uh you'll see a lot of like skin bender our, our leather shop you'll see a lot of our design styling what's up jim you got a face on no, 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 nothing. Okay. nothing.
1: I, got my, I got my videographer face Oh, you on. got your game I'm face on. I'm just like, wait, hang on, okay. hang on. We'll do this. Go ahead and show it up. All right, okay. we're going to do a dramatic swoop.
0: Ooh, dramatic swoop. Get the little whistle in there, too, man. Oh, wait, cool. wait, wait. Here, oh, here we... we go. Try it again. Here we go. Dramatic. Fancy. I feel so fancy. Um, So this is like my ultimate camping rig. It's nothing too crazy. It doesn't have a lot of straps. It does have some gizmos. This I just put on there. I got this from USA Knife Maker Supply. I thought it was neat. It's a cord lock with a whistle. You want the signaling element. Typically, I have a compass, a little button compass clipped to this piece of paracord, and it's survived desert, forest, jungle, you name it. It's held on just fine. So uh, this does fit, albeit a little sloppily, a DC three stone, which is actually down in the leather shop for forming on another pocket sheath or um, stone pouch uh, and a three eighths Light My Fire Army version fire steel. So that's what's normally in here. It's kind of naked and before the show, I couldn't find them because they're in the leather shop and I wasn't going to keep searching and I wasn't going to call Jenna to ask her where it was. So that's my personal carry rig and I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, From the Felkneven S1, we're going to skip. Nope, we're going to go right to the cold steel. This (laughs) is the cold steel SRK in 3V. Now, it is familiar. Obviously, these have been around. The SRK profile has been around since the carbon V days. Excuse me. And this is a little bit different. This is the 3V model using CPM 3V. It is made in Taichung, Taiwan, but the profile and blade finish has changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. You'll notice that the clip is a little Mm -hmm. bit more Mm -hmm. aggressive. It's a little little bit bit more rakish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love it when you use that word, rakish. Yeah, it's a little bit more rakish. And it is, if it is hollow ground, it's very big wheel ground because it feels like a flat grind. They come screaming sharp from the factory and instead of their typical, which this is one thing I didn't like about SRKs and one thing that you will frequently see people fix, fix Mm -hmm. on Essie's is I didn't like the powder coat finish because it created a lot of drag when you're cutting and it doesn't sound like it's a big deal until you're splitting a lot of firewood and you realize your knife is just not working as efficiently as it could. So what they did in this case is like a PVD treatment. It almost looks blued. Yeah, it's super smooth. There's probably a bunch of fingerprints and crud on there. Yep. Um, (laughs) It still looks good. Hang on, we're professionals. Let us do some professional stuff like wipe your knife on your pants. No, it doesn't even look any better. But... um, Some of those are scuffs from just tooling around. We've been in the thick of winter and I've been really busy in the shop, so I really haven't gotten as much wood time as I wanted. And when I do, I take my old S1, I'm looking forward to this spring and taking out the cold steel and putting her through the paces. I can tell you that the checkered grip on these is extremely, extremely aggressive. Now it's rubber, it's a Kraton, and so it tacks up when it's wet. It also absorbs a lot of vibration. And the thing that I like most about it now, although the sheath doesn't exhibit this property, the thing I like about the SRK or any of the creton handled knives is that when the handle bangs up against a tree or a branch or gets scraped, it's relatively silent. Sorry, my hand's in the way. Sorry. Whereas on other knife handle materials, which I'm a huge fan of Micarta guys, I make Micarta handled knives. But let's be honest, when it scrapes against a stick, sometimes it can give a little bit louder sound signature. If that's something you care about, this is something you want to look into. If it's not, then don't. So, but and then of course it comes in a plastic sheath, which you know is super loud. It sounds like a dog at the back door, <laughs> but it does fit really well. It is ambidextrous, and you really can't say anything bad about the Cold Steel Secure X sheath. Um, it fits so well, it's as streamlined, as lean as it can possibly be with the mounting versatility that it possesses. And it's got dual retention both the friction on the throat of the sheath and this little uh, almost token, albeit well fit nylon retention strap at the top they're also velcro with a snap so you can loop it through your belt without having to take your belt off and disrobe in the woods uh, (laughs) pretty slick yeah no i like it so anyways Mm -hmm. but you can see obviously the influence and i am not positive which one came first but i am positive that the Randall model 14 came first and that's really (laughs) (laughs) that's where it started but you can see the similarity in the blade Mm -hmm. profiles and this one was even the SRK was even more similar to the um, uh, Falcon even back when it was uh, VG10 or um, Carbon V. So, mm-hmm. anyways, just things to think about because they were. This one is made in Taiwan. Previously, they were made in the U.S. and in Japan. So let's get down to the S1 Pro. Now the Pro. First of all, this is the box it comes in. And if any of you were children (laughs) like in the eighties and nineties and were into like the spy gear where they had this box with custom die cut foam that seated all their equipment and gear, then this is going to make you freak out because I know I did when I got it and it comes in a cardboard sleeve and everything, but I removed that for the podcast because this is really the cool part. It is a watertight gasketed box complete with rogue fibers. Look at that, Jim! You got a good picture of that. I do. Isn't that hot? That's pretty like I mean. Slick. Now, of course, I'm not going to pack this box around. You know, I mean, I guess I could <laughs> keep my lunch in it or something like that if I just wanted to add weight for no reason. I'll think, but,
1: think, think impression upon opening, presentation upon opening. Wait, you know, there is yeah.
0: there is nothing that can captivate a new knife owner than opening this black plastic box with the custom cut foam and seeing all the components of the package in there. I mean, it's really, really something. Um, this knife was treated to me as a user, which I never have a problem with as long as it wasn't like abused. You know what I mean? So yeah, people There's no huge chips or anything out of it. Nope. Or anything like it, that. It's it, still it, a usable knife. Yep. Yeah. Came with some scratches from the field. Totally fine with that. So this knife, as you can see, it is the S1 Pro. But there are some significant differences. I mean, even in the profile, this is more of a spear point, drop point, whatever you want to call it. Almost, to me, this is like a modern, like ultra-modern Kephart. Mm-hmm. That's the profile that screams to me is like an ultra-modern Horace Kephart Yeah, a little bit a little bit pointier Kephart. It does yeah, look like Yeah, a little leaf-shaped, yeah. you know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah, it definitely uh,
1: doesn't have the clip. I don't think I noticed that last time when you showed this to me. It really? Yeah, I, the the regular one has the clip, and the other one has a drop point. And, and spear. being yeah. so
0: familiar with this one, Jim, I was like immediately I was like, hey, that's not an S1. <laughs> you know, I was like, should call it something else. Did yeah. I get the right knife? Right. <laughs> um, it is significantly thicker and I'll try to give Jim a oh, second. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, no, you can see it. Okay, yeah. So it's it, the yeah. blade stock on the S1 Pro is significantly thicker and this was in an effort to make the Pro model a more robust knife overall. However, the S1 has yet to disappoint me in that department. I've never snapped this thing in half. So um, the stainless steel guard is honestly what attracted me most to the knife. So this is the thermal run handle with kind of a boring, lackluster appearance, and self, so yeah, with a self guard, yeah. yeah and it, I mean, it's yeah, kind it, of a dull knife. It's I, just one piece. It's, it's the whole thing. Yeah, it's like me in the PM 2 It's hard <clears throat> to get people excited over my favorite knives because they're boring <laughs> to look at. You're like, eh, whatever. So I thought this would be a great upgrade to kind of class it up a little bit and be something I'd be more proud to show. I know it's just vanity, but it's vanity. Who cares? Um, same protruding tang little bit more aggressively contoured handle. So this, I think, is worth mentioning. It's a little bit more ergonomic. Don't mind my lanyard. But if you can get the kind of hourglass shape in there against my vest and shirt, um, I don't know. I think that was an improvement. I think for chopping tasks, which this thing lends to a little bit better because of its blade weight, that, that little out Coke bottle shape at the end there really helps you hang on to it. And especially, look, guys, if you've ever been around camp or cleared trails or anything like that build shelters you get tired you get really tired when you're hacking especially if all you take is one knife to perform all the tasks to test it or whatever or that's all you have so mm-hmm. having that extra little swell just kind of helps fight the fatigue so that part i liked about it um i did not particularly it's also worth mentioning this is that laminated cos that cobalt steel yeah um, which is supposed to be an improvement over the laminated vg10 time mm-hmm. will tell um i didn't like the blade weight I like that this is a pretty neutrally balanced knife, Mm -hmm. even with the goofy lanyard and everything. And the blade weight on this guy, I think took away from what I love so much about my S1. And so that was one thing that I had to get used to. Again, this spring and summer, I'm really gonna put it through its paces. I'm gonna carry it as if it's the only knife I have and see how I feel about it. Now. I can tell you right now that I feel absolutely amazing about this because the S1 Pro includes, and this is also well used, so they look better than this when they're new, but it still functions perfectly. This is the Felkneven DC-4, one of my favorite pocket stones. In fact, I keep a DC-4 in my survival kit, my basic survival kit. It's diamond on one side and sapphire on the other. This is like jewelry for knife lovers, made of diamonds and sapphire, sapphire ceramic. And they stay very flat, very true, and they work very well. Uh, I recommend if you guys use these to give them a quick cleanup with Ajax or yeah. Comet or some kind of mild abrasive, Barkeeper's Friend, something like that. And that keeps them looking tip-top. This one has been really heavily used. Uh, the, all right. Here comes the editorial part. Falkneven is so awesome and so good at everything they did. And I feel like this is the product of nepotism like a (laughs) brother-in-law who's got an IQ of 11 came out and I'm sorry guys but it needs to be said I'm sorry it needs to be said I've seriously maybe it was designed for a science project for somebody's child I don't know why they made such a terrible sheath or why they keep inflicting it upon us but this is virtual i mean this is essentially an abysmal sheath. i mean it scratches the living daylights out of the knife it clicks in yes does it rattle around in there absolutely and you would be like well okay this must be a bunch of space for grit and everything to fall away uh least stealthy of anything it makes you feel like you're carrying camera equipment when you're walking around with it and it still scratches the living daylights out of the blade so on top of that I'm very much against this. I can't stand on field knives when the retention strap faces forward. Mm -hmm. Typically I walk in a forward motion. And when I'm walking (laughs) through the woods in a forward motion, you get snagged on stuff. And when you get snagged on stuff, your strap comes undone. And then you have this floppy sheath with a knife that has some retention, but not enough to overcome the weight of the thicker blade stock. So Felkneven, oh, hang on. It does say S1 Pro, which that's pretty sweet, right? And then Mm -hmm. on the back it says, Felkneven.com. So I don't know how much cheesier it can get without the .com on it or the general abysmal construction. But I really wish this would get dropped from the line and a high-quality leather belt sheath, maybe not a dangler, or maybe a higher-quality uh, thermosetting plastic or thermoforming plastic sheath. I don't know. I just I hate that the thing in the box fits it. So, anyways. These are the three knives of what I consider a very similar family of design, all dating back except for this one, the S1 Pro, all dating back to uh, the, Randall model 14 in my opinion, but I think they're all apt and I think they're all very capable knives and I think they're well-designed and they look sharp and they're broad appealing. So make your own opinions. I recommend you guys at least handle each one for a period of time because I think you'll find that they are an excellent field knife in this design and it's very versatile. Um, and you could probably also fend off a cougar or something like that if you had to. <laughs> so there you go. We're back at it. That was our first video review audio Listeners, I hope I didn't leave anything out. But if I did, please log in to Behind the Blade Trench Crew on Facebook and see what you were missing. Thank you so much, guys. And soon we'll be right back with the Q&A's. What's happening, gang? Uh, you, you probably heard me erroneously hit the edge of my stainless steel bowl ashtray with my brand new PM2 twice. And one of those times I actually put a pretty sweet little, you can't really tell by looking at it, but I can feel it with my fingernail, I put a nice little thing in the edge, which I'm not super thrilled over. However, I am thrilled over the fact that I am sitting on a little stack of of, I hope I'm pronouncing this right Suhiro Serac stones and uh, Suhiro several different grits these are the Japanese water stones that were cut down to size by Tom and his crew over at Jenda Industries and they fit into my KME sharpening system perfectly so I was like I was going to sharpen this with these stones anyways and find out what Jim's talking about with the different scratch pattern and the different bite that Japanese water stones give over other conventional homogenized synthesized stones. So this is the perfect opportunity for me to try these out and if you would like to embark on this voyage with me, I recommend you go to GendaIndustries.com and check out the holy mecca of sharp. And tell Tom that we sent you, man, because I am looking forward to this. I hope you guys get the opportunity to try these in your favorite guided system. Or even they do free stones, too, like bench stones and stuff like that. So you can go check them out. But the fact that I can get at a fraction of the cost the Japanese water stones that fit in my KME sharpener, it doesn't get much better than that. So I'm excited. Even though I'm forced to do it because of my own neglect of my new knife, at least there is a solution. And that solution is Genda Industries. Thank you, Tom. All right, back to the show.
1: And we are back on the air on this recording that you're listening to. Good bring in, Jeff. That was strong. (laughs) We were just talking about strong bring ins I thought I'd bring my A game. (laughs) So, so yeah, we're back with our favorite segment, the Q&A segment. And got to say... We love this segment. We love you guys. We love interacting with you guys. If you guys want to um, give us a question, always keep an eye on our... We're going to be posting this, by the way, these future question segments. We're going to be posting them in the group. Yep,
0: yeah, In the trench crew. So, so Behind in, the Blade trench crew on Facebook. Yeah, I'm so, sure there's a backslash yeah, or something that needs to go I, in there to get I'm right I'm positive
1: there's it. something. Is it's like It'll be like facebook.com slash groups slash... A C
0: G F L R two seven nine A and then it's like, would you like to switch this to trench group? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it'll probably
1: be like that, yeah, and yeah. we will, we will, we will do that, and we will keep you guys up, up updated and appraised. So make sure that you join that and uh, get in on the action. Um, a, an alternate method of contacting us would definitely be on our uh, email account, which is info at BehindTheBladePodcast.com. dot Indeed, it is. So into our first question.
0: What have you got?
1: <laughs> Okay. Um okay from Pierce WJ Taylor. Um Expletive, starting with an F and ending with a K. Oh, okay. Marry or Kill Bo Randall, Bob Loveless, or Webster Marbles. Thanks, Go. Pierce,
0: for your contribution. <laughs> yeah. That's so helpful. <laughs> I can't thank you enough, Pierce. I hope you're listening. <laughs> uh F asterisk 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 K. You, Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> that's funny.
1: All right. Let's just go on to the next one. All right. <laughs> okay. um, all right. Hey there, Jim and Matt. When either of you go camping or woodland wandering... I like that, actually. Woodland wandering. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Woodland wandering, do you add a hatchet to your loadout? And what is your hatchet of choice? Personally, I've had my S-Twing 24A nearly 10 years. It's the only hatchet I've ever needed. Thanks again for this broadcast. The time at my workbench seems to pass quicker when I'm listening to BTB.
0: So, uh Jerome, first of all, uh Jerome, free plug, how do you like this? Uh grey wood I'm oh I always screw this up. Grey wood designs, grey wood crafts, grey it's grey wood something. Jerome makes some of the finest bamboo arrows ever put to a string. Really? They that's are awesome. Phenomenal. And I Ooh. did a trade in one of our groups with him. I traded him, a, you know, a knife for some arrows. And I was not prepared for what I received. And I was like, (laughs) oh my goodness. So uh, I invite you guys to go check him out. Obviously, he's a listener and a stand-up guy. Great to chat with also. And very passionate about what it is that he does. So uh, when people are passionate about their... Uh, even if it's a semi-lucrative hobby or something like that, mm-hmm. I love pushing them because they're so yeah. into it and we'd be glad to help people of that ilk. So uh, there you go, Jerome. Hopefully that helps. I hope some people go check out gray Wood Designs. I hope it's gray wood uh, Feel free to post if it's mm-hmm. not. Um, hatchets okay so here's the hatchet thing number one i hate east wings and i think it's because i'm not a hatchet guy i I don't think there's any s-wing i'm not sure i I don't know if it's s-wing or east wing i've always pronounced
1: i've always pronounced it s-wing
0: well because that's how it's spelled that's
1: how it's spelled yeah but there's probably some sort of phonetic thing that we just don't know yeah i don't know so So,
0: uh west wings (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you know, I've, I've carried them. I've owned them as a kid. I tried to use them. I never resharpened them as a kid though, or at least not with any aptitude. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I got a bad taste in my mouth. I know that uh, your dad, Mike, he pushed a Wetterlings. Yeah.
1: Wetterlings. He's he's a huge fan of Wetterlings and and Grantsford Brooks. It was a little
0: hatchet. And he's like, Matt, just take this and use it. And I found it phenomenally useful unfortunately i gave it back to him which i never should have done (laughs) and and i was like you know what this is pretty handy but for me and my what what was it wandering woodland wandering woodland wandering my woodland wandering techniques really employ a like an or a not like a chopper i don't like choppers i'm actually looking more for a thick modified machete that's yep. probably what my favorite is, and not super thick, but like a, a slightly thicker machete. Thicker,
1: thicker thing on the spine. Yeah.
0: And I mm-hmm. use that as my bush knife, and I use a small forest axe. So yep. I have a belt knife, a pocket knife, a usually a large knife, you know, in my pack, and an axe at base camp. So yep. that's that's typically what I do. But I did really like the hatchet and it was a little wetterlings and I thought it was I thought it was awesome. So yeah, that was cool. Gotcha. S wings are really well built. Yep. I just think I didn't sharpen mine properly. Possibly. And and that yeah. led to a negative experience.
1: Right, possibly. Um so, mine's mine's fairly similar to Matt's. Um, I I have a, a Grantsford Brooks, a smaller camp hatchet. Oh, okay. Right for that for that. That's that's also really good. But um, um, so let's go with my loadout. My loadout is that axe, one of our Goloks oh, and my, my ultra light bushcrafter. Oh, nice. And so and so that really kind of encompasses everything that I need to do. So I use the ULB even though it's a little light, but you can still use it for notching and shelter building. Oh yeah. So so you're talking about a three inch blade. Um, the goal lock you can still use for feather sticking. You can still use for finer work and it chops. So, so that's anything up to, I don't know, three inches, mm-hmm. poplars, stuff like that. You can take down pretty nicely and anything bigger than that, you can use an ax. So what I've le- always wanted to experiment with out in the woods, and it was, it was a concept actually given to me by Reed Hyken, actually from sharpshooter sheath systems forever ago. Cause hey, he, Reed. he was, he was at the axes for a long time and he probably still is, but you take that half pound head from that small camp hatchet yeah. and you put it on a full size handle.
0: You know, I've heard of this before. And, yeah,
1: and and you 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 end up getting the functionality of an axe with light, with with with, with near zero muscle fatigue,
0: and it's safer, uh, arguably mm-hmm. safer, because yeah. the shorter the axe, the more prone you are to whacking an appendage. Right. You know what yeah. I mean. And so, like, yeah. a preferred technique for using like hatchets and stuff like that is like a kneeling technique. Because if you're right. standing, you run the risk of putting it in your shin. Correct. And I actually put a custom axe that I bearded and it was like an ax I picked up at a yard sale and I just um, cut it up and made it super cool and stuff like that. I put it in my knee, like pretty, pretty oh, many years ago. I still have a scar from it. Oh, yeah. oh.
1: Yeah. I've got an impressive knee scar too, but that's a story for a different time. <laughs> um, <coughs> but, um, but yeah, that, that gives you near zero fatigue. You can chop all day with one hand if you needed to. Nice. And, uh, and it's still very accurate and still very portable.
0: The problem um, with axes mm-hmm. where hatchets shine through, mm-hmm. Or shine out. I don't know how you're supposed to use that colloquialism. Uh, the problem with axes to me is unless you have a very specifically designed backpack that either has the ice axe loop that's big enough to clear oh, sure. a forest yeah, yeah, axe yeah. or it's got the sleeve like the Duluths or the uh-huh. Frost Rivers and stuff like that, it makes it very difficult to doff your pack. So when you sure. take your pack off, you always have this kickstand that sends everything <laughs> willy-nilly. And if you want to dig around in it, you have this axe head hit you in the face. Right. And, and so that's why I think there is... A place for a hatchet and maybe jerome you've inspired me to seek out a appropriate hatchet and try it this year and try it exclusively and see if you can make a believer out of me because i do think there is some merit in it and god knows i get more frustrated at my friggin small forest axe than any other piece of kit that i own because it's always in the wrong place at the wrong time it's cumbersome
1: we need a list of ideas and then we need to keep it while we're talking about oh, this it's stuff. Be a dark list, and, buddy. And, and just, <laughs> just no. We're gonna call it podcast ideas, not oh, general you, ideas. Oh, <laughs> I have a, a thing for us. I got us a little.
0: Uh, it's, it's. I'm so cheap. You guys. I hope you understand how cheap I really am. That's why I don't buy anything. I trade uh-huh. for everything. i was like, well, field notes. You know, I got gifted a field notebook, and I was like, this is kind of handy. I carry little things around, but I think when it's fancy, I'm more likely to use it. It was a gift, so I used it, and I was like, I really like these little books, so I want to get them for the girls in the shop, but instead, I got them. Field books. <laughs> <laughs> instead of field notes. Field <laughs> it, was, it was five of them for nine bucks instead of three of them for nine bucks. And so I was like, you guys are getting field books. So I got the podcast a field book. You didn't get the Ray Bans, you got the Roybons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh Yeah. And yeah. yeah bro- <laughs> so, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's cool. uh so I think that will be in our podcast ideas is we'll be like, screw around with a hatchet. Uh, Speaking okay. of hatchets, I know that Dale Thorson. Dale, I'm not. Yes, that's right. What is the name of his company? Is it just Dale oh, Thorson Knives, or I, uh, I don't even know if he? I'm pretty sure he makes knives, but he makes some insane axes. Oh, and, and they're hatchets. and they're and they're
1: balanced perfectly. They're. I mean, this guy knows what is. This guy knows what's going on with axes. Yeah. Without us having with you know, okay, all right, I'm gonna sound like a dick. Without us having to tell him, <laughs> he just knows. <laughs>
0: when which you is, is see right. Dale, you're like. That's a guy who should be making like the, yeah. the guy's a mountain of a man. He's oh. just huge and awesome guy. Thorson Forge. Thorson Forge. Sorry, Dale, for taking so long to pull that up. They're aesthetically appealing they're functional Uh, they're awesome and he's a great stand-up cat so uh and you better hope that he's not darkening your doorstep because that guy looks like he could tear limbs off of a human (laughs) being without breaking a sweat uh yeah yeah. (laughs) so there you go uh so check out dale if you are looking for her sweet man too. don't mind the blood on his forehead in his profile picture all right, he is a great guy and he's got a huge heart and Dale we appreciate you and I hope you can get more people with your axes in hand because there's a lot of stuff that photographs well and then there's a lot of stuff that performs well so I recommend you guys check him out because he definitely falls into both categories uh, here, here. all right so enough about hatchets Mike Lewis any thoughts on the future of
1: social media and or web-based places to communicate with other blade enthusiasts. I see some returning to forums. I've heard of something called Vero. Just wondering if you, if you were aware of anything else. I've never thought of it before, but damn it, are we going to need a safe space too? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good one, Mike. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, of course, Mike. Mike Lewis is referencing the crackdowns that uh, that Facebook has on, uh, on on gun posts, and of course Knife when and course. yeah, and, and, and of course wherever wherever control of guns comes up, control of knives comes up immediately in the next step hand in 100% hand. of the time all the time and um and it, that's a, that's an excellent question i really wish that we knew like an elon musk or or a bill gates to be like the pro freedom side of america would really like some social media that doesn't crack down on that by the way
0: right you know uh, it would really like that the, the thing is that you know what? I'm actually not, I, because we very intentionally, so there's a couple things that I'm pretty big on and uh, I'm going to make this pretty clear right now. Number one, I don't much care for uh, flagrant self-promotion on the show. So you won't hear me talk about my company very often unless it is in pretty specific context. Jim abides by that too. Uh, mm-hmm. Jim is as Involved in his life with knives as I am and we know that we have a lot of bark river fans and a lot of vehement fans So you will hear us slip up from time to time and talk about stuff and if it's what we're carrying It's what we're carrying uh, I also am very big into not discussing politics on the air because it, you know what it's so disagreeable and polarizing and quite frankly, it's my business just like your politics are your business so my opinion i'm actually going to redact right now or it, it Just not even bring it up. Mm-hmm. However, Mike, this is a very big concern in the forefront of our companies and we have some concerns and I'm reluctant to even say what the next step is going to be. Cause I don't want to send anybody. Uh, I don't want to wield our power in vain, so to speak. I don't right. want to say something that drives people into the arms of what may be the wrong decision. So yes, I do see people returning to forums. I know, uh, uh, Jim, Jim Fagan, I think from Jimbo's knife yep. family, mm-hmm. he just jumped ship from uh, Facebook. Facebook. I know a couple of our followers have sent us private messages saying, Final transmission, reach me at this email address. We're jumping ship from Facebook. So the writing is on the wall. Sorry about that. That was me playing with my PM2 and I hit an ashtray. Um, (laughs) This is something that we're concerned with too. And unfortunately, I can say, because I make the decisions, that we are going to be followers in this one, which is rare for me to say that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not of the follower mindset, but to be quite honest... I'm not techno savvy enough to say, you know what, this is where we're going to go. And this is the wave of the future. It's not a risk I'm willing to take with my business. So I'm going to see where everything settles yeah. and then migrate over there in stride with the pack, yep. which it, is weird.
1: Right. It's uh all of these policies are going to create a vacuum that will be filled by somebody with the know-how. Yes. And, and that's, that's where we're going to go. We're going to, we're, we're, So keep an eye out on it.
0: Yeah. Um, And let us know if, I mean, if, if we're, if we're seeing stuff grow, I mean, you have to understand this is our livelihood, not pictures of a birthday cake. Right. So we can't be as like, you know, uh, reckless with our decision, nor can we spread be spread so thin that we bet on losing horses consistently because these are all mm-hmm. social media avenues that we have to follow. Right. And so I know there was me. We, I don't know if it's getting any traction of uh, Vero. I know yep. it's another one. I don't know if it's getting any traction. Um, I don't
1: know about the policies of Vero. I know Miwi We was very friendly toward gun and guns and knives. It was, it, it, is. And <clears throat> it, is. it is, it is. Yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, <laughs> just like jumping from MySpace to Facebook, you're going to find the interface cumbersome. And then all of a sudden it becomes second nature, just like Instagram versus Right. uh imager you know whatever yep. it is so mm-hmm. um so yeah so keep us in the loop as much as you guys can find out too because i honestly i don't know where we're going to end up at and i don't know if it's going to be forums or not absolutely
1: um so yeah we just got to keep our keep our ear to the ground yeah i mean just like you guys and uh, we'll we'll communicate second we hear something so all right gino senshi Senchi, Yeah. Senchi, Sen, yeah. Senchi, Yeah. Gino Senchi. When it comes to the steel tariff currently in place, how, it'll, how will it affect the knife industry? Well, if you're an importer, it's not going to. That's
0: right. And Gino, <laughs> if you listen to the news segment, you'll be glad to hear how that turned out for this industry. So that was a really good question mm-hmm. and a timely answer on our part, I would say. All right.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, from Jamie Harris. I'd like you guys to talk about wooden handle finishing techniques. Different pros and cons of each gloss versus semi-gloss versus matte finish. Yes, I know you guys don't enjoy using wood, but I can't get over the looks of a well-suited wood-for-blade style. Thanks for the podcast. Cheers. Thank you, Jamie. Put it in the book, Jim. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, do you have a pen or do you need, a, do pen? need okay, a pen? I do not. I need a pen. I need a pen. Okay. Put that in the book. And I... Jamie, I think that's a great one. And you'll hear me, you know, whine about wood, but it doesn't mean that a lot of people don't use it. And it definitely deserves a tech tip segment. And we can do that right here in the studio because we have a full fledged working knife shop downstairs. That's, that's awesome. And yeah. and
1: you know what? And you know what? I'm actually gonna write down these as bullet points. Everything that you said. What, yeah.
0: Where where are you in here? Gloss? So that was a little gift from you to us, Jamie, Gloss. because that gives us content.
1: Gloss semi. And then Matt. And then those are great examples. And I'm actually going to write your name in this too, so we remember to give you some credit.
0: There you go. Jamie, Jamie Harris. Harris. All right. Next All right, question cool. while Jim's jotting down. Evan Martin, uh, I want to know when you're going to do another segment with Donovan Phillips. I, as soon as Big D makes it back up here, yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I would hang out with that guy for free off air, and I do every opportunity I get. So to have him on the show is a pleasure. The guy is... Uh, a superstar. We're proud to know him. I mean, so anytime he's willing to sit in with us, I do know that Donovan is going to be helping Jim and I build the test platform, the outdoor knife lab mm-hmm. using his expertise from blade sports. He's going to help us engineer an outdoor knife lab for doing comprehensive knife tests, even maybe more elaborate than Jared Bear's barbecue test. Right, so <laughs> but that will definitely be part of it. Don't worry. Uh, so yeah, yeah. so uh, Big D's a friend of the podcast and a friend of ours personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim and I both, so we can't wait till the next time he comes. Oh up. yeah,
1: Donovan's an awesome dude. All right, cool. Next question: uh, Tacos from
0: from Jake JK. Oh Jake, did you change Jake it? Way? Yeah, he he finally put his kind of real name there. That's, yeah, yeah. Right, right, Jake cool. Jake way. What's up Subject: uh, Tacos, corn flour tortillas. Get out of here. <laughs> Have you seen my tan flour tortillas?
1: Get out of here. So that one's easy. Uh, Tang nuts or acorn nuts?
0: Why? Oh, oh, do you mind if I take this one? Um, Okay. Okay. (laughs) So a slotted marbles tang nut. I was enraptured by this concept on a SOG knife when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking what a cool... Now, I didn't put it in these words. I probably said something pretty asinine to myself at that point, but what a cool design element and dimension it adds to a knife. It looks so finished and it shows a mechanical element more than a hardware element mm-hmm. so it looks custom it looks yeah. finished it looks and it's something that's over 100 years old you oh, know in yeah. concept yeah, yeah. so so why something so amazing came out a century ago and was then replaced in the 40s and beyond with an acorn nut I can't understand because it is so amazing and they are difficult to home fabricate, but I know that you can buy them online in just about mm-hmm. any thread pitch and diameter that you want. Um, and if you were handy, even with a hacksaw and a drill and a tap, you'd be able to fabricate your own. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I am all about the acorn nuts. All right. So enough about that. Go ahead. Okay. All right.
1: Next tomato or vinegar based barbecue. <laughs>
0: um, you know what? All right. All
1: right. All right. All right. Do you want to answer that one? No, go ahead. I mean, okay. I, I I love
0: barbecue, but I don't think I have a sophisticated enough palate. All right, all right, <laughs> all right.
1: Here's my here's my opinion. First off, let me lead with I love both. All right, I prefer the tomato. Do you? Yeah. Why? Because the vinegar one actually starts getting really old, the taste after a while. That really? barbecue taste. Oh, see, if it's I, vinegar. I like based, that tang of vinegar what? base. Well, but, yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you start eating it, you're like, oh yeah, barbecue. This is delicious, and then you're just like. It's been 20 minutes of this now, the same thing. Okay, Okay. you know, it's getting a little strong. You know, the tomato one just doesn't seem to do that for me. Gotcha. (laughs) So there's your super complicated... Yeah.
0: I love what's going on here with the alternating questions. All
1: right, micarta, linen or canvas? Linen. (laughs) I prefer the looks of linen.
0: How could you not? The topography that jumps out of it is I like the price of canvas. Oh, (laughs) no. I mean, linen is so beautiful. I mean, if I had my druthers... We've moved to a lot of canvases. Uh, I think just by being here and mm-hmm. talking about canvas a lot, you know, yeah. I, we've started doing that more. But when it comes to black, I love linen over canvas. But when it comes to green, I like canvas over linen. True story. Mm-hmm.
1: Nice. All right. All right. Last question from uh, Mr. Jake Chiquay. Jake Quay? Jake Sorry, Sorry, Jake. Chili, bean or no bean? Bean. Bean. There's the only way to be. Yeah. All well, right. Jenna
0: doesn't like the beans. Well, she gets no bean chili all the time. Okay. Yeah, but okay. Uh, but she'll eat it. Well oh, no, she'll eat chili, but she gets it to make the like cheese and chili. Oh, beans, the, dip. the dip. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, she gets that, no bean with which that, which is delicious. By yeah, the way, but yeah. I I like uh, I like beans of mine. You know, okay. Eat that protein.
1: All right. Next question from Bear. <sighs> which is better for the burning when I pee, Azithromycin or levofloxacin?
0: I guess it's been too long since we've well, done a podcast. Levofloxacin.
1: You guys levofloxacin. Levofloxacin. levofloxacin flex
0: levo this is flow, good radio this is Zasin. really good radio i'm glad we're
1: doing this we're, right losing people. <laughs> we're losing people i gotta go on to the
0: next one i can't even pronounce the next one jerry bear the answer is better decisions
1: <laughs> 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 You. Oh, all right next question shane shane helena what's your preference for folders phosphor bronze washers or bearings Okay, yep.
0: as I hold a PM2 in my hand, which I'm pretty sure with is phosphor, br- with bronze. phosphor bronze, yeah. Berries, yeah. Um, but bronze. there's no mistaking the mechanical advantage of bearings. I mean, do yep. you agree, Jim? Yep. But bearings
1: are bearings, man. Um, and the nice thing about it is that you can torque down on those bearings as pretty much as tight as you want. Doesn't you're, affect it. Doesn't at all. affect it at all. So yeah, no, you're fine.
0: You know, when it comes down to it, if if, if it's, it's measurable, yep, you can have a stronger lateral blade joint at the pivot. Yep. With bearings.
1: Yep, and then well, I mean, well, well, the nice thing about bearings, and let's talk about construction for a second, because because that knife, the knife is like this balance between tension on the tang or tension on that on the on the pivot, and how much you're squishing the washers and and binding the blade action right exactly and binding the blade action. Well, the bearings eliminates the binding and the blade action because you're just on the bearings themselves and the bearings just roll yep. no
0: matter what. So well, it's, it's the same way uh, mm-hmm. an empty train car can roll and so can a full train car. It's roll. the same right. concept. Yeah, it's exactly. round. Exactly. It has an infinitesimally small contact surface. And, yeah. a, tra- and a track.
1: Yeah, exactly. And a track. So, it's also, so, so it makes perfect sense. And the nice thing about that is that you just assemble the knife... You take your red Loctite thread locker, you put it in there and you crank it down yep. until you're done. And then the knife is done and you know that it works. There's no like trying to balance. God damn it. I'm doing... oh, sorry guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. Timestamp. <laughs> <laughs> you're, try... you're not trying to balance um, the tension of the pivot pin and the friction against the blade. Right. Like you are with a phosphor bronze No,
0: In customs, however, <laughs> they lap the pivot pins yes. so that the perfect amount of tension is torqued. Right. and that, they that it, even, It's all the way down. And, and they even lamp the, the washers, right? Yep, yep. So, and,
1: and the screw, and yep. the female side of the screw, so everything comes together in perfect harmony. Right. Because these custom guys have the time to do that.
0: That's what you're paying for. I mean, and, th- and, and that's then. what you're
1: paying for. That's why you should, that's why if you're buying a custom folder, you should expect, you know. Perfect action. You know, right. certain things. And that's fine. Um, <clears throat> so preference between the two would completely be the application that I'm going for. Bark River or any anybody else that I was involved with were to make something similar to the PM two, I would go with phosphor bronze because it's way cheaper than the bearings, and I could bring the price down.
0: Right, and still have a good enough.
1: And, and still have it, yeah. and still have it good, and still have it good enough. Um, if I was going more Todd Beggs side, well then that would, the you bearings. know, well I would be I would be expecting to sell a knife for seven hundred dollars. Right you know, a production knife for $700 yeah. and that would have bearings in it because the market also has that kind of expectation. So or I have to value. so I have to also meet that. There's no way that I'm going to put out a folding knife for $700 unless it's made out of the pure best elephant you can yeah, get. Yeah, yeah pure elephant titanium. You're right. You know, <laughs> or whatever 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 that may be. So it's really just uh you know, you keep an ear you keep an ear to the ground on the market. Yep. And and you just, you know, do what works. So <clears throat> But personal preference, bearings. <laughs> you always miss the best sack tool, the eyeglass screwdriver that fits in the corkscrew. Is that a question?
0: Um, I don't know. I You know, on my Champ, I have it. Oh, that's right. That's I, right.
1: You did I, talk about this. Yeah, I didn't yep. have it mm-hmm. growing up, so right. I
0: wasn't actually that fond of it. Right. And you'll notice that on the can opener, mm-hmm. it's got a really nice, small, flat-bladed screwdriver. An all Swiss Army knives. And so, oh, yeah. I oh,
1: got, I got my Swiss tool on me. hanging.
0: Uh, Not can. That's a bottle opener. Can opener. The other one. Here. So when you open your can opener, see that little screwdriver on the top? And that works pretty well. I don't think I have that tool. Oh, you don't know, have a can opener true? on that? Control- oh, I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah, it's got a pretty yeah. nice little small screwdriver. Yeah, it's right there. And that, there that thing works pretty well. So, yep. and because <laughs> I carry ALOX, they don't have corkscrews and therefore i can't fit in that little i got screwdriver but i do i do have one on my champ and it is pretty cool i like the way it works it's a clever design mm-hmm. it, what he's talking about is a, a molded piece of plastic that has very coarse warm drive like threading on mm-hmm. it if you will and that threads into the, the corkscrew, corkscrew and is yep. captive when the corkscrew is closed yeah. and yeah. you have this really high precision little screwdriver it's, it's pretty, pretty slick yeah, yeah it's pretty cool
1: it's pretty slick <clears throat> All right, from Mike Lewis again, Webster Marbles was introduced to the area, Gladstone Gladstone, Michigan, via the timber industry as I understand it, but I'm curious about what made him stay outside of natural beauty.
0: Probably. Multi-million dollar knife business. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <it's>,
1: <laughs> probably being able to establish the knife business and just be like, well, I'm already here. Might as well build it here. Yeah, he was a timber and, cruiser,
0: you know, and, and and that's what he did. And mm-hmm. and so he spent time up here and he really loved the area. And I'm speaking for him, I guess, but that's in all accounts that he was really into the outdoors and there's not many places better to find remote outdoors. And he was supplying people, mm-hmm. you know, same reason we came up here is for inexpensive manufacturing and right. stuff like that. And, right. So you imagine yeah. a
1: lot of people actually took his knives out into the woods and were very proud that a local maker was making some of the best knives yep. in uh, in the world at the time. Mm. So um, I'd assume that there was little infrastructure back then where there may be some raw material availability benefits to the area. Probably the maple that they used, but they really didn't use a lot of that. Yeah. I think we used a lot of that. Right. I think Dad used a lot of that, the Michigan maple stuff when, when, when he was VP at Marbles.
0: Yeah. Years I, ago. I mean, there's an um, iron ore, but it's a long way from the foundry where it was... Yeah, you know. it was
1: really just mined and sent off. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, back then, because
1: that was Iron Mountain. Um, right, at the, you know, roughly at the same time. Yep, you know that that's really what they were for. Um, <clears throat> but as far as sourcing it, which 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 is Mike Lewis's next question, does anyone know where their steel was sourced from, or if the large iron or ore deposits nearby played a part? With like like Matt alluded to, um, I actually don't know. I don't think there was a metal foundry up here.
0: I would bet that Reed, <clears throat> over at sharpshooter, would know this one. Right, he's, he's pretty pretty boned up on his marbles knowledge. And even as much as I think I know, that guy trumps me every single time. So. um... Yeah, I I would probably wait for Reed to roger up as far as that goes, but I'm pretty sure that the the iron that was mined here was shipped off to be smelted and then maybe returned in sheet form for them to forge out their blanks. So yeah, I don't don't know if it was directly correlated to the natural resources other than the beauty of the area. I would say that was the strongest natural resource.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, next question from Brian Newberry. What are your suggested guidelines for handle length on various styles slash types of knives? What are some best practices for creating dynamic tension in a knife design without making the knife less useful or odd looking? Is there still a market and a reason for hobbyist makers to use simpler steels, 1084, 15 and 20, 1095, and non-Damascus user knives? The last part, it's fairly simple. Hamones.
0: Yeah. 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 Hamones and ease of heat treat. And uh as yeah, exactly. It's a simple heat yep. tree that you could do at home.
1: Well, and if you screw it up, anneal it.
0: Yeah, do and, start and, over. And it. And
1: it's and do it again. It's fine. Yeah, which 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 is great, especially if you're a hobbyist and you don't want to spend you don't want to like throw out a bar of steel if you screw it up. Right. You know, just anneal it, start again. You know, especially on that. Um dynamic okay, so suggested guidelines for handle length on various types. So I got That's... my I have my I have my method and you have your method, Matt.
0: Yeah, it's This is a weird one for me because Mm -hmm. what I'm going to tell you is how to design a vehement knife.
1: And what I'm going to tell you is how to design a Bark River knife.
0: Or I can even tell you how Mm -hmm. to design a loveless knife. Yep. Yep. And at at the end of the day, there's people like Sinkovich Mm -hmm. who did not design a vehement Bark River or loveless knife. And it's awesome. And his lines are phenomenal. So what I can say as far as this goes And this even goes back to Todd Begg's statement of your knives should have a face. They should be identifiable uh, by maker, even if nobody saw a stamp on it, right? Mm -hmm. So what I would recommend is start, just take a piece of paper. Uh, You know, when I first started, I used to trace the bar stock I had available. So I was like, I have designing inside of what you had. Yeah, And and so, take a piece of bar stock, take a piece of inch and a half by 10 and a half inches. Okay. Uh, So make a uh, inch and a half tall 10 and a half inch long rectangle, if you will, on a piece of paper, and then figure out to kind of touch on your other question about handle length. Um, typically including a guard industry standards, pretty close to five inches and you really mm-hmm. don't want to go below, uh, four and a half inches of, uh, and really overall, and you don't want to go below about four inches of hand rest area. Cause the typical hand yes. is going to be pretty close, to about three and a half, three and three quarter, four inches wide across the pads of your palm. So when you think about that, it has to go somewhere. And the reason you'll see contouring is the, the straightest, the, the fastest point, the fastest way between two points is a straight line and the more circuitous route obviously is more linear distance traveled in, or yeah, let me think about how I'm wording this. Um, it's more handle per linear inch of handle allotment mm-hmm. so you'll see these swells and curves and that allows your hand to curve around it's also if you were to stretch out those swells and curves that makes the handle longer than it actually is so you want to be on a field knife like a bush knife you're looking at about a five inch overall including the guard thickness plus or minus and then for actual hand contact area not much if at all less than four inches uh, but typically ours hover around four and a half four and three quarter. Yep. That's on right? Yep.
1: Uh, Bark River's fairly similar. Um I think I think on our Bravo, our resting hand area is a little bit wider. Um, um the Bravo, the Bravo's an example because you can put your hand on the entire side of the knife, and I think it's a four and a half inch long hand. No, no, no. That's Cl- overall. Closer to five. Yeah, overall. It's, it's closer to five. Um right. and you've got you've got you've got purchase over the whole thing. Um man, it, it's that's that's a little bit more of a difficult question because whenever I start designing a knife, I always Start with an idea of either a handle or a blade, and there are some guidelines that I use to try to get visual tension to to design either one or the other within the limits set by one or the other. Right. You know, um, I, I guess I guess one of my guidelines is is that uh, your if if your if your blade is under five inches, your handle length should the handle length from the butts to the front of the handle or guard should be the same length as your blade. Okay. In most cases. That's unless pretty, a, yeah. un, uh, in most cases, except if you're like doing like a really fine carving knife. Yeah, right. Something you know? specialized. You know, yeah. like uh like like well, hold on, where's where's yeah, where's this thing? Okay. So my my ULB, if you put your thumb on the front of the handle to the tip.
0: Handle's a little bit longer.
1: Handles handles ever yeah. so slightly longer.
0: Yep. No, I can tell you right now. I calibrated my eyeballs this morning.
1: Yep, handles ever so slightly longer, but you want to be, you want to start at that point and then start tweaking. And that's what I think. So yes,
0: I think you're yeah. right. I mean, even so, if you were to take that rectangle. Oh, go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm no, no that's,
1: that's that's fine. It's all good. It's all good. It's 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 um, it's,
0: <clears throat> it's just tough. If it's, yeah, it's well, just I, tough, design it, knife designing is difficult. So if you if you start with mm-hmm. the simple homework lesson or you know task or whatever you want to call it of drawing that rectangle and then drawing what you perceive to be a very basic field knife. Uh, You know, you can do something drop point or spear point or something like that. And then a pretty familiar handle style and and then start erasing lines and kind of go inch by inch on the blade. You're like, if I added a swedge, would that add an element? If I arch the spine a little bit, would that add an element? If I added a choil here or a groove there or some kind of little feature, start playing with those features. And just because you drew it doesn't mean it's perfect, Keep redrawing it yep. until it is ex- until it jumps out at you. And yeah. you play with the handle. Use a pencil, man, you, and play with the handle length and the blade length and the handle height to the belly of the blade height. And you'll see some things start to gel. And what you're going to do in that process, draw just draw 10 rectangles and draw the same knife 10 different ways in each one. And one of them is going to jump out at you. Yep. Start analyzing what elements jump out at you and then start using that across different styles of knives and see if it works sometimes yep. the angle of attack doesn't work on certain knives no it, and absolutely like, true. oh it ruined it absolutely true and when i say angle of attack i mean the rear portion of the blade being of the edge being higher than the belly and tip of the edge yep so yeah I yep. If that makes sense
1: it's it's a it, it's it's tough because matt and i both design as as almost like a journey of discovery of what the knife is supposed to be and we're very Michelangelo about it, actually. Where I it's don't like, know if I could be compared to Michelangelo. Well, no, no. Maybe well, the ninja well, well, check out. Well, well, maybe, like, yeah. <laughs> but but what Michelangelo said about the block of marble is that is that how did he sculpt David? He goes, "I was freeing David from that block." Yeah,
0: liberating him because, from
1: the stone. Because right? Michelangelo, what what Michelangelo mean, meant is that he had no idea what he was going to look like. Yep. Until he until he found out what it was going to look like. Yep. So we kind of go on a journey of discovery. And we have certain guidelines that help us stay within our style, like that. Like um, when when my father designs a knife, anybody should be able to look at it and know that Mike Stewart designed the knife. Right. Um. When whenever Jim Stewart designs a Bark River knife, to look like a Mike Stewart knife. <laughs> people people know that. Yeah. <laughs> and when Jim Stewart designs a Jim Stewart knife, people know that. Right. You know, and it's a it's a, it's it's just you have to just start drawing
0: and and reading. You and know, re- and, I, I, reading. And, and you have to
1: know what's out there. Bob Lovelace
0: yeah. even said in How to Make Knives, the 1970-something book, uh, he's like, get every knife maker's catalog you can and then figure out what design features really appeal to you. And for me, when it started, it was more practical stuff. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I like the idea of a finger, finger choil. Most people hate a finger choil. Not most. It's mm-hmm. half and half. But, you know, so that's a design element you'll see pop up in a lot of our knives. And it's not because I'm like, you need to add a finger choil. That's how you make a razer right. looking knife. It's because I like <clears> finger choils. I use them. Our customers like them. And they also use them, so yep. that's how that works. But yeah, I, good luck on that, man. And we'd be glad to answer any questions if you want to PM us or email us if you're getting hung up. But uh, honestly, because it is you cultivating your own style right now, I'd be amiss in my duty, remiss in my duties, if I was like, "What you need to do is this," because then I would just be telling you how to design a VMN.
1: Yeah, kind of, kind of the same for me. So, so start making just start making knives. Yeah. Start drawing <laughs> knives. Yeah. Start drawing knives yep. and discover something that you like. You'll discover your own style. There's a million different guys out there who've discovered their own style and uh, and you can be one of them too. You yep. just, gotta, just gotta work at it. So anyway, next question. Last question. Jay Austin, forging or stock removal? What do you see as the advantages, disadvantages of each method? Forging is... Do you want...
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like.
1: Do you want do you want a romantic answer? Like like not like not like love and love and doves and steam and and old eighties music video love. I'm just talking about like like romantic period, you know, where where it elicits some sort of a some sort of a really emotional feeling <clears throat> and uh, sentimentality behind it. Because there's lots of people who are excellent at forging. There are lots of people who are really good at it. Does that mean that the knife will, is going to be better?
0: It well, okay. So this does, is does, Yeah, does I mean that mean it it'll sell better? Okay. All right. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm I'm,
1: yeah. I'm dancing around this. Go yeah. ahead. Lay it out. Here's the thing: <clears throat>
0: a uh, well trained, well experienced bladesmith that uh, you know banks steel against an anvil and then he treats, uh, usually using their proprietary methods, can create a superior cutting instrument. That superior cutting instrument is oftentimes adorned with things like pattern welded or, you know, quote, colloquially known Damascus steel and stuff like that. And unique fittings and handle shapes and uh, some amazing stuff. If if you ever want to see how amazing it can be, look at Jason Knight. I mean, the guy's a mutant. He's a freak. And he can make a superior cutting tool using a hammer and an anvil. Uh, We have lots of friends, you know, uh, Jesse Hemphill, Lon Humphrey. uh, uh, There's so many bladesmiths out there that there are clubs de- dedicated dedicated to it my standpoint is less romantic so in my mind if i wanted to forge knives which i started doing when we very 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 first started many many years ago like i don't know 15 years ago or something like that um i prefer a more scientific approach so we use higher performing steels usually in stainless or air quenched or whatever it is. Um, That are typically viewed as non-forgeable steels. We use higher performing steels and more scientific heat treat methods. Not that there isn't a great degree of science that goes into bladesmithing, but it's different using your oil or brine and process that these Mm. people use in a forge versus using a multi-million dollar vacuum furnace. And the reason being is I know that I'm not good enough to fashion a Bill Moran grade forged knife. So I err on the side of science where I can get consistent, reliable results every single time. So that is why I prefer stock removal as my construction method, and so does Jim, over blacksmithing or bladesmithing. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have an attraction for some smithed knives, Mm -hmm. some forged knives, Um, The aesthetic also does not appeal to me because quite honestly, I prefer the look, the feel and the science behind a full tang stock removal knife using the best materials money can buy versus something that was expertly crafted by a smith and there i said it and i was not ugly or rude about it and i know some people are going to get mad at me and i don't really care but that's how i feel about it you ask the question there's the answer
1: <laughs> <laughs> well okay <Yeah. laughs> um <clears throat> um it, it, there's also there's also and i don't know how fast i get into this go ahead and just give me the throat cutting sign okay if i'm going too far on this one uh stock removals faster
0: Oh, from a production standpoint,
1: and that's that, that, that's a lot of where that's a lot of where I come from. Oh, okay. I know that I can buy a plate of steel and I can get seventy-five knives water jet out of it.
0: Interesting, yeah. It's, so I'm think I'm still so, thinking in you know, the garage, and I, and I'm uh, like and, so and maybe
1: it, and maybe where that where where Jay's question comes from, yeah. And that's probably where he where where he, where he he comes from. I am. You have to understand that that and it's a little bit less romantic, you know, coming coming from my perspective. But I was born into mid-tech, hand-finished production knives. Right. That's, that's where I was born into. My father was doing it before I was born, after I was born, after, he, after we moved from Wisconsin to Illinois or to Wisconsin to California when I was very, very young. That's how he started, and that is, that, that, that's my base. That's my base. I know it supremely intimately, and I can replicate it blindfolded. Right. It's, it's, I know it really well.
0: So it's a faster method of it's, production. It's it yeah. is. It's
1: a faster me- it's a faster method of production. If you're that end, and I just kind of prefer the look of it, and I know a lot of guys, and, and I know that that's not the be-all and end-all, and I definitely have nothing against anybody who likes forging. That's just not my purpose. No, no so, There you go. So, yeah,
0: cool. All right. And on that polarizing note, I believe, Jim... <laughs> Later, bye! It's been a podcast.
1: <laughs> all right, everybody, this has been... Jim Stewart and Matt Martin with Behind the Blade podcast. You guys have a fantastic day.